Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we're joined by Dries Vanisacker, a professor of theology and religious studies at KU Leuven in Belgium. Dries teaches and writes about the history of the Catholic Church, particularly the 18th century, and for our purposes, on the relationship between sport and the Catholic Church. We're really excited to talk with our friend Dries. So, let's get started. Well, we're so excited to have Dries Vanisacker with us here today. Dries, welcome. Uh, glad to have you. Can you start by telling us a little bit about sport in your life? Yeah, well, uh, sport has always uh, been a, a big part in my life. Also, already as a child, I was biologist. You could say I was very interested in in our national sports that are typical for Flanders and Belgium, of course, uh, cycling, and then also what you call in uh, America uh, soccer. So I had both um, interests. Uh, cycling was especially as a spectator and as a fan of uh, a man who, who wanted to fight against the, the greatest of our history and maybe also of the world, Eddie Merckx. Eh? But uh, it was Roger de Vlaming who was also a, a, a very good uh, rider also in the classics. So he won all the classics. He's still called Mr. Paris-Roubaix because he won four times. Uh, and then in soccer, I was born when my father was visiting a game of uh, a team, Bruges, uh, Club Bruges, who is still uh, a big team in Belgium and has won several times uh, the championship. But also now, last week, they played very well against PSG uh, Paris eh, when they uh, kept them on a 1-1 uh, last week in Bruges. So I was a big fan of Club Bruges and Later on, I had I was also a socio of Bruges, and I went for uh, ten years in a row to 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 look at every game, also with my sons and daughter, and my wife. So it's a big deal in my life, sports. And I have played also from yeah the the age of ten until twenty one uh, soccer in our little village where I lived. So uh, it was a very fine. Uh, sports uh, career, you could say, but it was for fun. Eh? It was not um, aiming at becoming a professional. No, no, not that. So this is a little bit how I was connected from my uh, childhood with sports. Yeah. Well, that's great. Soccer and cycling. It sounds like you've you've followed the nationalistic slant. That, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about faith in your life. Yeah, faith. So um, this is also very important. Uh, I'm grown. Uh, I was in a family who was very Catholic. Uh, for instance, I had um, an uncle who was a Catholic missionary in the Philippines, and uh, we wrote a lot of letters. And so I was educated really also in a Catholic setting in the sense of belonging to a communion uh, in the parish, but also going to Catholic schools. Eh? What is typical here in Belgium is that the Catholic schools are still very important. And a lot of people who are not Catholic 
also join these schools because it's a large network of a good education. So, but I went to first to the the sisters, you could say, as a little child of a little boy of three years old to a school of sisters. Then I went to a school of boys until the uh, the age of twelve, and then I went what we call here a college, but that's a sec uh, second secondary uh, education. Uh, a little bit farther than our city or our uh, village in a city, Dexmeude, who is known at the Belgian coast also for the First World War. Maybe you you heard about the Battle of the Iser, eh? that's in Dexmeude. So, and afterwards I went to um, the Catholic University of Leuven eh? to uh, get my li licentiate in history. So this is a little bit my my um, steps into uh, the Catholic world, um, but also I am engaged uh, with the church, so the Catholic Church, and I worked then in Rome in uh, preparation of a PhD on a 18th century Catholic um, cardinal uh, Giuseppe Garampi. I also combined uh, combined sorry this work with working as an archivist for a missionary congregation. So uh, the Fathers of Schoet, uh, they are also known in the States for Missionhurst. So these are typical Catholic-inspired uh, missionaries who went first to China, uh, then to Belgium, Congo, then to the Philippines, uh, then to Haiti, um, also in Nicaragua, and so on. And they, they are really now very international. So there are almost no Belgians anymore in that congregation, but the origins are in the 19th century in Belgium. So this is a little bit... I Today I'm still um, a member of what is called the church fabric. It's uh, about all uh, worldly things um, that matters with the church here in our parish. Uh, so is a committee that has to be aware of uh, keeping the church in a good shape, eh? so the building uh, in a good shape. And uh, that's a little bit what is still my engagement today as a Catholic. Well, Dries, it's just been fascinating already to hear your story and to hear you tell it. I mean, for us, we, we don't have a, a Belgian on sport faith life every week so this is a, a new experience for us yes. uh you know and typically right now i'll jump in and i'll ask for something unusual but i think i'm gonna preempt that question and i'm just curious i, I love hearing that you grew up as a kid who loves sports i mean we're we can all resonate with that but uh i wonder about just your uh life in belgium you, you mentioned four children could you just give us a little more background about you uh, and maybe the size of your, your village and all of those sorts of things that uh, help us get a context for who you are and uh, the place where you live and what you do each day. Yeah, so um, I'm now um, working as an um, associate professor at the KU Leuven University eh, at the Faculty of Theology and Religious Studies. And I'm living, uh, you can say, around... Uh, half an hour with a bike where I work. And every day I go biking uh, as, a, as a little kid, I always did that also. So with a bike, I go every day, you could say uh, 20 kilometers. Uh, 
up and down. So um, I'm living in a little village. It's called Holzbeek. It's near to Leuven. I think we have 9,000 inhabitants. Um, we are living here very quietly. I have a, a, a good uh, house and, and a lot of uh, green around us. Um, so I'm a father. I'm married with Lise. Uh, she is uh, also a historian. I met her in Rome, by the way. And she is also uh, sports-minded. She, she likes swimming. She always swims every day. We have a swimming uh, river, you could say, here in our garden. And so uh, she's very... She goes also with a bike to Brussels, what is 30 kilometers away from us. And we have four kids. Uh, I have one daughter and three boys. So the youngest is 22 and the oldest is 28 of age. So when they are all played also, also soccer, also my daughter, and she went uh, uh, quite well because she played in the highest division of soccer until last year uh, with the girls. So uh, she's a um, physiotherapist as a profession and she does a lot uh, also for uh, sports, um, uh, how do you call that? Uh, people who are injured as uh, professional sporters or as amateurs. So she, she is a physiotherapist in that sense for sports people. Yeah. So the other uh, kids, they are totally different from professional things. They, I have an architect, engineer, architect, someone who is a lawyer and then who is still studying is also a civil uh, engineer. So this is a little bit what is our family about. So, <laughs> well, that yeah, actually, that helps a lot. That gives us all a context. And you climb on that bike and ride every day up and down the hills, and uh, I, I think that that uh, f uh, from different places that I've traveled in Europe, that is one of those things where uh, that just never caught on here as much yeah. in the United yeah. States, well, right? Maybe just... maybe you could follow next Sunday the the World Championship cycling. It's in Leuven, so it's in the city where I work. So we'll plug that in. Yes, that yes. sounds great. Yes, yeah. Already, already the whole city is uh, closed for uh, the training, um, cycling, and wow. um, it's a, a huge thing. So uh, they are very excited. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure people are lining the streets and ready to go. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna steer us in a direction that I'm a little nervous about because I know you could talk for hours on this, and so I'm gonna try to narrow this question. I mean, your intersection really with the Catholic Church and the Catholic faith um, and sport, you've sort of unpacked several areas of that. So I wonder if I can get you to hone in on what you find most intriguing about either modern day. Uh, Catholicism in sport or historically Catholicism in sport um, and see if you can figure out, you know, just that one thing that sort of draws you in and makes you uh, curious. Yes, well, uh, as a historian I and as a, a human being, I could um, bring together um, my, my interests. So faith, sport, history, and I was already um, making books uh, on soccer, on the history of cycling in Belgium and in Italy. So I was very aware of the fact that also the church and the Catholic, Catholic Church sorry, had a lot to do with sport. But in the literature, I have the impression 
that we are still a little bit behind. Uh, there is a huge, and, and who am I to say it to, to you, uh, both of you, uh, a huge literature on um, Protestantism, Anglicanism and sports, but Catholicism and sports is always a little bit uh, in the shadow. And it's not due to people who are not Catholic, it's due to Catholics who never uh, questioned themselves very seriously, what about the church, Catholicism and sports? And I was very happy, uh, as I knew already, the Vatican archives, so the Apostolic uh, Archivio Apostolico Vaticano, but also the, the historical archives of the Secretary of State, but also of the Doctrine of Faith. And there are a lot of sources on sports, on physical education, and how the church saw it and thought to, to react against it when it was in their eyes not uh, well done, and especially uh, female sports and the way they were uh, vested uh, was a typical problem of a Catholic church that did not, uh, was, that did not uh, knew how to react against it. But at the other side, in the education, the Catholic schools, they always promoted sports. So not within the curriculum, but after school practices. I'm thinking of the Jesuits, I'm thinking of the Salesians, I'm thinking of the brothers of the Christian schools. They really promoted sports and they even started competitions among different schools. And it was a good thing when people... Uh, had fair, fair play. So they used also uh, a lot of things of muscular Christianity, you could say, from Protestantism and Anglicanism, because there were a lot of people who were educated in uh, Britain or in the States that came back to Europe and being professors in Catholic schools. So this is a little bit what happened at the end of the 19th century and at the start of the 20th century. But it was still not enough. And I have uh, discovered that the Holy See and a lot of popes were uh, much in advantage of sports, gymnastics, sports, but also competition sports. For instance, you find that the official website of uh, the Holy See, you, you, you can uh, find more than 200 allocations on sports. And people do not know that enough. And nowadays, I'm very happy that I could collaborate also with the Dicastery for the Laity. There is an undersection on sports, and they do a lot to have new teams. We had uh, the opportunity to be, I was one of the specialists uh, to advise them in the ever uh, first uh, official document on sports, giving the best of yourself in 2018. This is the, the Catholic point of view, you could say, but it is also very general in the sense of they used also a lot of things that were already said in Protestant and Anglican world. It is not uh, that they only want to point it as a Catholic um, document, because this is also some, something that has changed during the history and this is very difficult to explain because it's so different all over Europe. South Europe uh, with Spain, with Italy is still 
very faithful, you could say. Catholicism is still very strong. Our countries in the north and in the west of Europe are much more secularized. So we, we come from a separate Catholic sports uh, institution, you could say, in our country. But this is, this is done. This is not anymore today. Today, every sports institution is neutral in Belgium, in the Netherlands. But you can, as a Catholic, interfere with it. But the big years of uh, a typical Catholic uh, sports competition, that does not exist anymore. So this is very different from Italy and Spain, where there are still a lot of people working in typical Catholic institutions on sport. So this is really uh, for the Netherlands, and it will be much more the case still for Scandinavian countries, where, of course, you have a lot of Protestantism and, and also. But this is very neutral. So this is our, our day situation. And maybe I can connect that with a, a personal experience also. In my uh, village, I was for 10 years a president of the soccer association. And as a Catholic, I, had, I was able to do a lot for the people, but I could not express myself as a Catholic, although most of the people working and living here are still Catholic, but only, yeah, how do you call that, not engaged. So our uh, association is neutral, but you can give ideas from a Catholic uh, point of view, also as a president, as a coach of team, uh, to inspire youth players to, to be uh, more than machines on the field, uh, as human beings with belief, with respect, with uh, inclusion of people, uh, immigrants, uh, people also with um, less talent, uh, people also with a physical uh, problem and so on. And this is very important also uh, to work in that milieu. So this is a little bit, I don't know if I answered your question uh, in that way. Well, let me follow up on that because I think your answer is fascinating. You've, you know, you've studied the history of the Catholic Church in many different eras, uh, and specifically more recently now that we've seen more um, proclamations coming from the Vatican, coming from the Holy See related to sport, and you've been able to uncover some of those, and even some that came from uh, from other uh, clergy members earlier on, like thinking uh, during the, the World War II period, the interwar period, those types of things, where there were proclamations coming from the leadership of the Catholic Church on sport. And you've also talked about the, the fact that, that Catholic schools for children have always promoted sport and physical education, physical activity. And, you know, that in many ways mirrors the experience in the United States as well, where Catholic schools have very much promoted sport at the youth level, um, at the university level. So really elite, elite sport has, there have been, you know, Catholic teams, Catholic support, Catholic culture that supports sport. And yet it's been maybe more recently that you've said that, uh, that the Holy See has stepped in to make these announcements about sport much more, much more recently. Uh, you mentioned sort of sport for, for humanity. And, and that seems to be, uh, the angle that, that the Vatican is taking on, on where they see the value in sport lying. And I wonder if, if in your 
if, if in your expertise, I'm getting that right. I mean, what are, what are the ends? What is the Catholic Church getting at? What's the Vatican getting at when they make pronouncements about sport? What are they trying to do in, well, in terms of the connection with sport? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Chad. So I think it's very important already from the start, there were relations, for instance, between Pius X and the Coubertin for the Olympic Games. And in 1908, there was a, a huge project to do it in Rome backed by the popes. But of course, you know, by the history, the context was very difficult for the pope. He was a little bit the prisoner uh, uh, from 1870 until 1929 of the Italian state. And it's only when there was a, a agreement between Mussolini and the pope that the Vatican was again free. Eh? So he, he had no power to, to do it. But then Pius XII, uh, after the Second World War, he really um, wanted to push uh, the new world, the, to build up the new world. And one of the things was uh, sports, especially in Italy, where he, he took the Giro d'Italia because Gino Bartali was the big example of the Catholic athlete who was also uh, a huge example for the youth and how to do it. But of course, it was a little bit also a strategy of the Vatican to, as an apostolate eh, to, to win Catholicism and to spread Catholicism in the rebuilding Italy. But it, it went further and they opened their eyes, um, the popes, for the Olympic Games again. And they saw in sport the value of brotherhood, of human values and so on. And this has been more and more developed in Vatican II as the church opened themselves for so the so-called aggiornamento, for the, culture, the cultural world that existed on its own. So they, for the first time in history, they recognized that there was a world outside them with um, good values also. And this is one of these pieces of the world is sports, sports on itself has values that can be very good, eh? brotherhood, fair play, uh, keeping together, have a spirit in a group, uh, inclusion and so on. And this has been always further developed by the following popes. For instance, John the 23rd was pope when there were the, um, the Olympics in Rome. So he was very um, open to it. They, even they opened the, the lake of uh, Albano and Castel Gandolfo for uh, canoe uh, discipline during the Olympics. So they were very cooperative. And our Pope and also the Popes before, Benedict XVI, but especially the sports Pope, you could say, uh, John Paul II the, and Franciscus today, they are very open for the values, uh, international values, interhuman uh, values of sports. And that's why they, the, the actual Pope is very, um, how do you call that? He doesn't know if he really has to make an encyclical on sports because he is already pointing to um, the Olympic Committee. He says, we have already all these values that are explained in the charter of the Olympic Olympic Games. Why should I, as a Pope, uh, 
bring out an encyclical on sports. Maybe only to stress a little bit uh, the point of view of Catholicism within it. But he says we have already that a document of 2018 giving the best of yourself. That's enough. But he is he had a, a very interesting interview with La Gazzetta dello Sport at the beginning of this year, and there they 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 asked him why you never wrote or any pope wrote an encyclical on sports. They did it on cinema, for instance, in the 30s, but never on sports. And he says, yeah, yeah, I like sport. I'm, I'm, I, I, I like uh, soccer. I like uh, sports. But yeah, there is already the charter of the International Olympic Committee. So you see, it's within that history of uh, seeing values and also knowing that as a Catholic church, as every uh, institution of faith, I think you cannot um, embrace or do, you can embrace it, but you cannot uh, put it in your own property, sports, because sports is something uh, all human beings do. So you can be, as a Catholic, very happy with international charters that are very uh, pointing at, very well pointing at brotherhood, uh, sisterhood, uh, inclusion, um, fair play. Uh, also, for instance, the, the value of sports when countries are not uh, well um, with each other, with each other, it can be opening. Ping pong has been a diplomatic diplomatic weapon eh, to 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 soften uh, very um, how do you call that very bad uh, relationships between countries. Eh? So I think this is a little bit the 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 new way of thinking of the Holy See also. Uh, why should we uh, write another document when there are also very good other documents of other institutions? So I think this is a little bit what I I think is the answer. Yeah, and Dries, you've referred a few times now to these documents and to the literature base that exists in Protestantism, uh, evangelical world, potentially between religion and sport or Christianity and sport, and then sort of a parallel with uh, Catholicism and having their own documents. Uh, and I notice that when I read uh, from Catholic authors, it, it seems to have a tone to me, and that tone... Uh, is often, and I, I may be wrong, but it, it's often quite positive when you think about sport, like the the possibilities of sport. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and yeah, it um, typically it's it, the positivity is around the things you mentioned: character traits, uh, community values, virtues, those sorts of things. And uh, I wonder. Um, is there a space, or is there something I'm missing in? Catholic literature that talks about just the value of sport itself, just the engagement in sport, um, not so focused on what it might yield, but instead the the human experience of sport. And uh, and, yeah. and how would how would the Catholic Church articulate that aspect of sport? Mm -hmm. Yes, well, it is also in the the document of two thousand eighteen, and it's also 
always in um, when the Pope Franciscus uh, speaks today about sports, he says, sports is also the spiritual value of being together. For instance, uh, a father or a mother who is playing sports in a park with the, with the daughter or the, the sons. So this is also sports. And for um, the Pope is also stressing a lot that there are the aesthetics also of sports. You can see also, uh, but this is a little bit in the theory of uh, the creation. You can see when, for instance, a beautiful uh, movement of a swimmer, it could um, give you a sparkle of how eternal life can be, how spirituality and your belief in God could be. So it's a little bit also a place of the incarnation. And this is something that is less developed still, I, I admit, uh, not admit, I I'm not a, a theologian, eh? I'm, a, I'm a historian. And I think here there is still a, a, a large field for theologians, Catholic theologians or Protestant theologians also, uh, to develop this as this theology of sports, because I'm, I do not find it uh, a lot in Catholicism, in literature. So I think this document of 2018 and the interviews of Pope Franciscus, they, they open a way for theologians that they can develop it further. But that's also something I hope um, uh, that I can inspire very humbly as a Catholic uh, historian in my faculty of theology and religious studies, because every time when I uh, start to talk about sports, was it in the faculty of arts before and now in the faculty of theology, they always smile. And then as a, sign, uh, as a scientist, I, I would like to see that they go a step further. I have learned myself to continue in this field. And it's a very interesting field because it's much more scientific and much more opening doors to other uh, research than one might think at, uh, at first. So I think they, it's still conceived a little bit as, what are you doing? A history of sports, religion and sports. Oh. But this is, I think, uh, especially in, in, in the Catholic milieu, they, there is no tradition as there is in Protestantism and Anglicanism on sports. Here it's, ah, it's play, it's very interesting. But the moment they speak about sport and competition, hola, then it's difficult for a lot of people. And, and that's something that is still has to be uh, studied a lot by theologians also. It's, I think this, I don't know why it is in, in our Catholic milieu still uh, as if you, you do something that you could not take seriously as a study object. So I'm working on it and I'm hoping <laughs> that a lot of people will join uh, mm -hmm. Interdisciplinary work would be very interesting with theologians, with uh, also people from uh, the medicine 
uh, interest in sports because I don't know how it is in the States, but here it's more and more going back to medicine, our uh, education of people who will uh, have a future in sports. And I think if you look too much uh, on, on uh, sports people as machines, then I'm not um, uh, surprised to see all these things that happened the last month during the Olympics. People who are exhausted emotionally, that cannot cope anymore with uh, all this uh, stress and pressure to be to act like machines. There are human beings. They are more than muscles. And I think here there is still also a, a, a big chance for uh, Christianity and other religions uh, to have an impact on, on the well-being of people. So I, I was just in Rome and I had a conversation with uh, Santiago um, of the um, Dicastery of Lady, and he thinks of bringing together all the Catholic um, people working and apostolate in sports because he thinks that we could do something very similar to what always already exists uh, in the Anglican and Protestant uh, world. So I, it might be um, a possibility in the future instead of um, coaches, uh, psych uh, psychologists and so on, why not again provosts, provosts like there have been in the, in the 30s already in Catholicism also, to lead sports people because they are autonomous. They are not paid, for instance, by a national uh, institution of sports. So maybe they can be a solution to uh, follow up people with problems when they are injured, when they have problems in the family when they cannot cope anymore with the stress of the coach and on whole situation as a gymnastist, as a, uh, an athlete and so on. So I think without pushing too hard on, on the, the side of fate, but only be there as a possible shoulder to lean on. I think the Catholic world still have to learn that. In Germany, that exists. They have a, um, a Catholic a priest, nowadays it's a woman, uh, who is there for the Olympic team of the Germans. So, But this is an exception. In Belgium, it doesn't exist. In Holland, it doesn't exist. In France, I wonder if it exists. So, But there is something... Uh, coming up for the next future, I think uh, that could be something parallel with the Protestant and Anglican and Methodist world, where you find uh, uh, people in apostolate uh, functions within uh, a soccer team. I'm thinking of uh, Manchester United, for instance. Huh? So, Dries... Um, you're in many ways speaking to a sympathetic audience here with, with Brian and me, some of the things that you're saying, right, having to do with um, 
the legitimacy of studying sport at, at major institutions and, and oftentimes peers sort of look, look down upon us and say, really, what do you, you know, why don't you study something serious, you know, something that really matters. And <laughs> our response is, you know, what, what could matter more than, than sport in people's lives and in their hearts? So uh, we, we're, we're right there with you on that. And then your, your discussion of the fact that we're, we're spending so much time thinking about the science of sport, the hard sciences of sport, and you mentioned medicine. So the sciences of medicine and using that to help our athletes uh, become better athletes. But the worry is that we're turning them into machines. And uh, Brian and I would say here, here uh, on that as well. We absolutely, you know, can resonate with what you're saying. So, you know, as we, as we come at uh, sport from a more humanistic perspective, um, I, I wonder if you could speak to the way in which you've come at sport from a humanistic perspective as well. What is it that we can take away from your research on the intersection between sport and and the, the Catholic Church that would be helpful for today's athletes, for those in today's sport culture? Uh, what can they take from your research that would help in a way that shows the value of humanistic study of sport? Mm-hmm. I think... Um... Well, it's a little bit bizarre maybe, but as a historian, I have studied archives of uh, a Norbertin father who all of a sudden in the 30s of the 20th century starts to think uh, why our clergy is not interested in, for instance, professional cycling. Because these people never enter uh, a church building. They have no time, they have to train, they are away. It's a neutral form. But these are also human beings with some spiritual needs and so on. So he, he goes to them and he says, well, you can talk to me. And they say, well, father, are you interested in us? They always see us as stupid machines with muscles, with no needs, with no family, with no... And this was in the highlights of Catholicism in Belgium. You see, I think what could be very interesting for the interaction of Catholicism, sports, faith, is what we can offer from the humanistic point of view, that they are human beings with all kinds of needs. And I think this is something that the world of sport Of course, they hope to um, resolve it with um, psychological um, people. But I think, as I said earlier, they are also um, members of the the same teams, the groups around. So they are also uh, paid by the sponsors and so on. And I think this is a very difficult and dangerous system because they are there maybe to show to the outside, well, we care about these people, but I'm not so sure. I think it would be better to have some people uh, that are out of uh, the the paid uh, members of a team. So I think maybe, but at the same time, I realize a lot that in our days now with that secularization, it's very difficult, for instance, in Belgium to say, why do you not engage as a soccer team a priest? They will say, hmm? "Are you are you born in 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 the the last century, or are you are you living today?" So this is very special, and also 
when, for instance, one would even uh, admit that, he would say, yeah, but then we have to appoint also um, a consulate for the Muslims. We have to appoint a consulate for the atheists and so on. You see, we are living in a real uh, neutral um, sports uh, milieu. And this is very difficult. Although nowadays they are a lot confronted in our secularized, uh, secularized uh, society in the professional soccer teams, for instance, because they have a lot of players who come from Africa who are Protestant, who are uh, Catholic, who are Muslim. And the, at the beginning, 20 years ago, they did not knew how to react and they didn't know. I had a very good friend who was the goalkeeper of Bruges and who was the very famous goalkeeper of the national team of Egypt. He is a Muslim, Nader El Sayed. And he came to Bruges in, in 1989 uh, and they didn't know he had to pray. So you see, they didn't know he was following the Ramadan. So all these professional teams were not prepared how to cope with religious people. And this is a little bit our situation nowadays. You, I always say, you never saw so much expressions of belief and faith on the field today in a totally secularized world. Because Lukaku is a Catholic. And when Lukaku scores, he, he does the sign as a, of a believer. Also, a lot of players from they they have T-shirts and so on with with the Kaká and with all these Brazilians who are member of the Christian churches and eh, of the the Pinkster, how do you call that the um, Pentecostals? So this is really a very strange world we are living in. Eh? It has never been so uh, obvious that there are a lot of people. Who, have, who are religious, and you have a totally secularized institution that does not admit that. So I I don't know if it that, that's the answer on the question, but I'm a little bit uh, thinking aloud of how to uh, give the, the values of Christianity and of Catholicism uh, today in the sports world. So we have a problem with uh, the fact that we were or we, the, that the Catholic Church was too present in the past, and now the Catholic Church itself is very... Um, I do not want to interfere anymore on that world. And that's a very a totally different uh, world of the Protestant and Anglican world, where you see a totally developed uh, apostolate in sports. And here we... We are lacking that. Uh, there is almost nothing anymore. We have uh, had a very strong um, movement inspired by this um, uh, Norbertine, Sporta. Sporta has become uh, institution, neutral institution, but inspired by the Christian origin to help uh, all the uh, professional and amateur sporters with all kinds of problems. For instance, uh, contracts, uh, but also abuse and so on. 
but the people do not know anymore the origin of it. So it's still working, but it is not seen as Catholic or Christian. They do not know anymore. So that's a little bit our situation. Maybe it's better not to know and do a good work than being known and doing bad work. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's the inspiration that counts, I think. Well, Dries, I think you said a lot there when you said we live in a strange world, and we certainly do. Uh, and the intersection of, of the church and religion or Christianity in particular with sport varies. But I think your story resonates more um, around the world than you would think. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's, there's all sorts of frustrations and opportunities when we think about these connections. And one of the things we try to do in the Global Congress is bring people together that have this uh, connection and provide an opportunity for this sort of uh, conversation and collaboration. Uh, mm -hmm. Our listeners might know that they're... Uh, we can let them know that uh, uh, Chad and I are working with Dries on, on other mm -hmm. projects as well. So I think these sorts of uh, collaborations can help us understand uh, and help us take action that is for the betterment of all people. Uh, and uh, that's one of the things that really kind of excites us about this work. It's been a real privilege to hear your story, Dries. And so thanks so much for taking a little bit of time. I look forward to seeing you in person uh, hopefully not too uh, long from now, next summer, maybe at the uh, next Global Congress in so, England. Yeah. yeah, so I would love <laughs> to see you there. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Uh, so thanks very much for spending this time with us. You're welcome. Thank you, both of you, Chad and Brian. It was a pleasure for me and an honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.